We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 215. Our guest today is head groom for John French and Kent Farrington. Just a few weeks ago, her horse won Best Turned Out at the WCHR Peter Weatherhill Hunter Spectacular, which is arguably one of the biggest honors for a hunter groom. She cares for some of the nicest hunters in the country, which is no easy feat. Not only do they have to look amazing, they have to be calm, focused, and ready to perform at their peak. So I really wanted to hear what she had to say, some of her tips to make a horse as shiny as she does, as well as get them ready for the show ring. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Kim Graves. Well, I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian industry. Um, I was about six years old and uh, my mom and my sister, we had done the whole dance thing and my sister did soccer for a little bit. And all of a sudden my mom just one day was like, you know, you guys need a hobby, you know, besides school, like I used to ride as a kid, so maybe we'll try horseback riding. And we went and visited a couple couple different barns uh, around the Charlotte area of North Carolina, which is where I grew up. And, you know, it just all went from there. I got my first pony when I was nine. And, yeah, the the rest is history. That's awesome. When you, from, from like starting to then getting your first pony, did you do like a lot of showing or what did your junior years look like? We did, you know, when we first started, we did a lot of just local one day shows. Um, my first pony, we still did the local shows, maybe some a little bit bigger C shows, but uh, when I was riding my pony, I honestly thought that, you know, as soon as I was champion, the first day and the second day of a two day show that like the next step was the Olympics. Like that's really naturally (laughs) really where I thought that was going. You know, when I had a pony, I didn't know what the A shows were. I didn't know that there was a whole other step. I didn't know what Wellington was or indoors was or anything like that. So, um, you know, I didn't really start going to the A shows uh, until I got my uh, large junior who's my heart horse when I, let's see, I was 12 or 13, I believe. Yeah. And uh, we did children's hunters and junior hunters and uh, did a little bit of amateur owners during college. And yeah, and now he's happily retired at my farm in North Carolina. So, but I didn't get the chance to go to Devner indoors. Mm, Yeah. Um, Well, now you find yourself there quite a bit, you know, every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but tell me a little bit. So you went to St. Andrews University. 
I did. Um, what made you, I mean, obviously I feel like for a lot of us within the industry, there's always the, I feel like the question, like, do you go to college? Do you, you know, try to do something outside of the horse world? Um, do you go right into, um, the industry and work or, you know, be a working student or, you know, get a job or whatever. So what was that kind of, uh, pivot point in your life? Um, like for you? Well, for me, I think uh, my dad is a very strong businessman. He ha- has his own business in in Charlotte, and I think college was always something that was always in the plans. I don't really think mm-hmm. for him it was ever an option for us. But ever since my sister, who's older, she started getting brochures in the mail about colleges, and I saw one day when I was getting the mail that there was one, and it had horses on it. And it was St. Andrews. And I was like, wait, I can go to school and like ride. And there's like horse things to study about and stuff. And it just, it was all done from there. It was the only college I applied to. And I said, if I don't get in, I'm not going. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And then I chose the uh, equine business major. And, you know, it has a very strong business background. And I thought, you know, for whatever reason, if there's one day where I get burnt out or, you know, worst case scenario, you get hurt and, you know, I can't ride or then, you know, I'll have a good, strong business degree to back myself up on. And, and, uh, I figured that that was probably the best route to go. Sure. Absolutely. Um, going into college and then kind of finishing off with your degree, what was your plan as far as a career within equine business? Um, Were you wanting to be a groom? Were you wanting a different part in the industry? What were, what were you kind of, I guess, what were your intentions going into it as a young adult with a, with like a fresh graduate degree and, you know, like ready to go? I feel like for me, I, I went through this where I'm like, I always knew that horses were going to be somewhere in my life, but I didn't like exactly know what that was going to look like coming right out of college. Right. Yeah. You don't know. I think my biggest thing is I really wanted to jump into a riding position at the time, which I think is, you know, what almost every, you know, college kid that does riding and, you know, out in, they want that riding position, but you know, I slowly realized that you really have to earn that trust in uh, a lot of different professionals and prove that you can ride and that you're, you know, responsible enough to take on the other tasks that are in the barn. And so my first couple jobs, I did some riding. And then, you know, I realized that if I really wanted to go to all the big shows, which is what I really wanted to do, that I needed to put the riding a little bit aside and I knew that I could get to those things grooming. And I've always loved grooming, always groomed my own horses and making them pretty and shiny. And, and so I just uh, decided to take a step back from the riding and go full force with grooming. And here I am. (laughs) Amazing. You're working with some wonderful names in our industry, like Kent Farrington and John French How did you first get acquainted with them to kind of be stepping into the role that you're in now? I was, I took a little bit of a break uh, last winter when everyone was doing circuit. I got a little bit burnt out and um, I just really wanted to focus on finding like 
for me a really good job that I was going to be really happy with. And um, so I spent a lot of time talking to people, you know, trying to find, you know, a good fit for me because, you know, that's really important is the fit. You know, everybody has their own program, does things, you know, different at every barn. And I just wanted to find one that would really stick with me. And I saw on Facebook that someone had posted that uh, KPF was looking for someone to help with their hunters. And I said, oh my gosh, that would be an amazing opportunity yeah. to work with Kent Farrington and John French. I mean, I don't know if it gets any better than those two. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, it's got a new program and everything. And I felt like, you know, that would be you know, after talking to Alex Warner on the phone, uh, she's who I did my interview with that, you know, just sounded really, really good that I could really help, you know, jumpstart that program. And here I am. It's worked out great. <laughs> so cool. Um, I know most recently um, one of your horses, uh, Babylon, who's owned by Marnell Sport Horses, was um, eighth in the um, Hunter Spectacular and yeah. that's turned out. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. It was amazing. Tell me a little bit about that experience. It was amazing, really. I mean, I've been watching that class online for forever, you know, since I yeah. knew about the class in my early, you know, junior days and, you know, watching Liza win it and, you know, Liza's always been, um, one of my favorite riders because mm-hmm. she was a local for me, um, having her farm in South Carolina. Oh, sure. And, um, so I had always, you know, watch, you know, in between the rounds, whatever, you know, some groom would come out there and they'd get that award. And I'm like, man, it's like that just, I said, I would die for that. I was like, I just, you know, cause I do, I put so much time and effort into the horses and stuff. And I just think that that's, you know, I love that they have those awards that can support, you know, what we do in our long hours and everything. And, and, um, and yeah, just, it just happened that night, which was just amazing. I wasn't planning on it or anything, you know, I was just so excited. This was my first year to have horses in the spectacular, which that alone was just huge, a dream. It's huge for me. And, um, and for them, him to get that, you know, he's a very special horse for me. He's a very special horse for John and the Marnells. Um, he's my baby. <laughs> and yeah, it was just amazing. It really was, you know, for me, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for you as a groom, you, um, you get the privilege of being arguably one of the the people that spends the most time with some of these horses. And I think it's so cool. The, the bond that I'm sure you probably have with Babylon and, and the others. So tell me a little bit about Babylon. I mean, I, he's one of the cutest horses ever. I love him. Um, Tell me a little bit about him, um, how you kind of started working with him. Tell me a little bit about his personality and what he's like to work with. Um, you know, when I first came to KPF and John, you know, I had known Babylon. I'd heard his name. I'd obviously watched some of his videos and stuff and knew that he was a pretty special horse. But, you know, I told myself, I was like, look, I'm not jumping into that head groom position or anything. So when I first met him, I was like, okay, I see you. You're there. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I'm going to try and not fall in love with you because, you know, <laughs> you're going to be a good boy and everything. And then once we went on the road, it was, it was history. I mean, he's, he's very easy and he just, he has so much personality. He's such a little kid, you know, he loves attention. He so knows cute. when it's a big deal. I mean, he just turned seven, uh, on Sunday and wow. made thrown him a birthday party, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I just, I don't know. He just, he's just really special. And what he's done at such a young age is just unbelievably impressive for me. And just, there's just a lot of quality and I don't know, there's not enough great things I can say about him. And, you know, his relationship with John is just so strong. You know, he knows John and John knows him and, and now he's really stepped into his new role of being a junior hunter and he knows Ariana and they're, you know, getting to know each other better. And it's just really coming full circle. And I love being a part of that. It's just amazing watching them grow and figuring them out and yeah. things they like and don't like. I mean, I don't think there's much he doesn't like. Um, I'd rather spend all day with people than other horses. <laughs> um, uh, he's he's a puppy dog. He's never pinned his ears before, not even at other horses. Wow. Um, he's kind of best friends with my Welsh corgi, Carly. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. And they're the same. They're the same color, so we call them twins. And um, you know, he his worst fault is that he likes to paw on the cross ties. Mm. He's just great. <laughs> you know, so cool. it's hard not to love him. And then his face. I mean, that adorable face. It's hard to walk away yeah, from. Yeah, you can you can spot it a mile away. You can, you can absolutely. So cute. Tell me a little bit about what, let's say, a normal show week. Kind of give me a rundown of what that looks like for you. You're kind of like day to day, and the things that you would do to prepare some of these hunters. Yeah, I mean, usually show week, you know, most of us get Mondays off. I do. Um, so we come in Tuesday. Tuesdays are busy mornings for us. Um, we typically start a little bit earlier than normal so we can get the horses that are going to go to the show that week. Um, they'll get lunged. Uh, we like to do it in our ring so they have nice big circles and space and room to play and do whatever they need to do. Um, and then sometimes we try to get them out in the paddock before we head over to the horse show. Um, we usually get there around midday so that we can jump uh, a little smaller than what they'll usually show in for schooling. John will school most of them or hack them if, if need be. Um, and then, you know, we move on to Wednesday and uh, we usually have a lot of green horses, uh, a lot of up and coming horses. And uh, I usually start my mornings early. Uh, I really like to get there early and have everything really organized, you know, bridles hung up where they need to be, you know, saddles out, pads are ready to go, polos are rolled, you know, take time to unroll the wraps off the horses. Um, and then usually, you know, we'll do some lunging in the morning after I do chores and then John will get on one or our assistant manager, Devin, uh, will get on uh, one or two of them. And uh, I'll do some lunging and then we kind of jump into the show day and uh, we try to fit John uh, coming back to the farm throughout the show day so he can ride some of the other horses that are at the farm or teach lessons uh, if he needs to. 
But uh, usually, yeah, I get there early in the mornings and just, you know, spend, I like the quietness, you know, before all the chaos and speakers and everything comes on. But, um, you know, we try to keep it really just calm and relaxed for the horses. And I think they really appreciate that. You know, John's so good with them and knows when, you know, to ask them for more, ask them for less. And, but yeah, I mean, we try to keep it pretty simple. Yeah. I feel like John is like a very calm person to be around too. And I feel like the horses probably sense that too. They absolutely do. And I try to do the same, you know, there's moments obviously where it's like, oh my gosh, you need to be in three different rings at the same time, <laughs> right. three different horses. You know, that's how it goes down here. But I try to really, you know, keep myself calm. You know, another reason why I get here early uh, to get organized so that, you know, those last minute, you know, they've had a bunch of scratches. You need to be at the ring in 10 minutes. It's like, okay, no problem. The horses are ready. Mm-hmm. They're clean. They're ready to go. And, you know, I can just keep it a pleasant experience for them because I think that that um, is really beneficial for them. You know, a lot of these young ones are, can be really nervous and I try to keep my energy very, uh, positive. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a better experience for you too. I mean, I feel like I, there's been shows, I feel like, um, like Lake Placid and a couple other ones where, where I have stepped into a grooming role and it has got to be one of the hardest jobs out there. <laughs> I mean, the hours, just the, like, you're just constantly on your feet, running around, doing stuff, thinking of a million things at once. Yes. It can, it, it is such a, like, I feel like an underappreciate and I, and people I know appreciate it, but I feel yeah. like for the amount of work that you do, how do you keep going and like how, like with just, you know, you have your Monday off. Great. But like, man, Tuesday through Sunday is nonstop. So like, what do you do to stay motivated and enjoy your job? You know, I think that, you know, it kind of goes back to choosing, you know, this job and choosing the program that I like and the people that I work with and, you know, how we run things you know, that's, I think a big part of it. Another big part of it is, uh, I have to say between my dog, you know, having her as a companion everywhere, she's very loving and she loves everybody. And, uh, she's best friends with John and she loves all of the customers. And, uh, and then, you know, Babylon, he, uh, you know, he holds a very special, you know, spot in my heart and, you know, you can have a busy running around day and I can come back to the farm or be at the show wherever he is and just go hang out with him for a minute or something or give him a kiss. And it's just kind of just that little bit of refresh. And, you know, I, he just looks at me, he's like, yeah, you got this. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, those are definitely the things that, you know, yeah, there are some days that are really tough and, you know, long hours, but, you know, I do love what I do and I love seeing the horses, you know, grow and succeed. And, and, uh, and John is just great to work with. I really like working with him and yeah, I think, you know, it's a combination of things. 
I wanted to thank our sponsor today, O3 Animal Health. If you haven't heard about them before, their signature product is Equine Omega Complete. It's a specifically formulated blend that does so much more than simply add weight if needed or produce a shiny hair coat for your horse. These products support healthy cell function in the horse. They cleanse the cell membrane. Every cell in a horse's body is surrounded by fat. Their products provide the healthiest fat possible so that nutrients and waste can get in and out of the cells. O3 Animal Health is used by some of the top horse breeders, trainers, horse owners, vets, and it supplies a complete balance of beneficial fatty acids to provide the perfect fat for proper cell function. If you want to learn more, I had Kathleen Downs, who is a representative over at O3 Animal Health on the podcast. She was episode 122. If you want to go check it out, or you can visit their website at o the number three animalhealth.com. And if you want to try out any products, use the code podcast for $10 off any product. Thank you so much. O3 animal health. All right, let's get back to the episode. I mean, talking to you as most recent winner of best turned out. I have to ask, what are some of your like go-to things that you have to have in your backpack or you have to have back at the barn in your grooming box? Mm, Go-to things. I, I think a lot of people know this about me, but I love doing quarter marks on the horses for special classes. Yes. Uh, You know, it's an old school thing. I remember the first time I saw it and I said, oh my gosh, how do I do that? And it took me forever to learn, but I figured it out. And I just, I don't know. I love doing that. I love, you know, showing the horses and having them be shiny, you know, any extra, you know, shiny things. Um, I'm not a big fan of hoof oil. I like to use uh, Kevlar hoof mm-hmm. sealer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it makes it a little easier because you can just, the dirt might stick to it for a minute and then you could just brush it off and the shine is right there. So you don't have to apply it yeah. every time they come out of the ring. Towels. I use a lot of towels, you know, one for green mouth, another one for boots, another one for legs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any like one thing. What would you, what's the secret to the shine? I mean, is it, do you just like, are you like currying all day? Are you, what, what, what do you feel like is the, the key to a super shiny horse? I do curry a lot. I like to curry the horses a so you lot. Have strong, you have a strong right arm. Yes. <laughs> right, strong arms. Yes. Yeah. I like to curry the horses, you know, especially, you know, there's lots that like it. There's lots that don't. Right. But I really just actually enjoy like brushing them. I like to see them shine. I like to brush until it's shiny. Like it just, it's very uh, satisfactory for me. Um, But, you know, I I like to use the peppy spray and the, and the um, high gloss shine from Shapely's. You know, I like those products too, to add that extra touch. But um, I also try really hard not to bathe the horses too much. Uh, you know, I like to keep their natural oils. You know, that really helps when you are curing them to bring the shine out. Yeah. Which can be hard here in Florida, but mm-hmm. I try not to, you know, if they need, if they're really sweaty, I try to just hose them off, you know, not use shampoo unless I have to, but yeah, for me, the secret is curing. I know nobody wants to hear that because it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah. But it really is. It really yeah. is. It makes a big difference. Absolutely. I feel like that cuts down on body clipping also. I feel like you yes. don't have to body clip as much. Yes. I have not body clipped as much as I thought I was was going to down here. And I 
think that that is, you know, we do blanket ours up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, <laughs> before week six, uh, some of the other grooms in the barn are like, okay, let's clip all these guys before week six. And I said, no, no. I was like, they all have really shiny coats. Yes. And if they're going in the night class, they're getting quarter marks on their butt. <laughs> and nobody gets clipped. Yep. And sure enough, it turned out actually that evening was kind of chilly. So they didn't get really sweaty. So it worked yeah. out perfect. <laughs> it did. It was a nice night for sure. It's it's not super often that we see a ton of female grooms around the hunter rings. So what like, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that is? Um it's a hard job, you know. Um it's a lot of heavy lifting, you know, mm-hmm. when we're when we were on the road all last summer, you know, lifting those tack trunks and stuff and you know, lifting a bale of hay and you know, holding on to, you know, some of the young horses that are being wild that day. And, you know, I think it's a lot of dedication and heart. And if you, if you're not truly, if it's not truly what you want to do, then I don't recommend it. It really, it really has to be something you absolutely want to do. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it's like, just not, you're just going to probably torture yourself, but you know, I don't, I wish there was more me. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't know why there's not more. You know, we last week we were at the Global for the National Hunter Derby and they still had the dressage going on. And I thought it was very interesting at how many white female grooms were in the dressage area. There was huh. not a lot of Hispanics there. And I was like, I wonder why that is. And yeah. I didn't get a chance to ask anybody, but I just thought that that was very, also very interesting. Very. Um, so I, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I could answer that. But huh. That's something that's, to look into. It's a lot yeah. of hard work and, you yeah. know, maybe sometimes professionals, you know, see girls and, you know, we're girls, you know, we're not right. supposed to be strong and stuff. And yeah. Anytime something like that happens with me, I just push harder. Right. <laughs> I make sure to prove to them I can, you know, there's not a whole lot of things here on the farm that uh, one of the guys can do that I can't. Um, totally. So. If you if you had a piece of advice for anyone looking into becoming a groom, what would you tell them? Obviously, don't do it for the money. Um, right. You really have to do it for the love of the horses. You have to love the horses. And, um, you know, really pick your, pick your program. You know, I've always said that, um, you can learn something from everybody, whether it's, you know, something that is, uh, something that you don't want to use in your practice or sure that you do, or, you know, something that you add into your program and carry it on to different jobs and stuff, um, you know, I think finding the right program for you is, is a big deal. And I think it takes everybody a while to find that program too. And that's fine. You know, don't be worried about, you know, doing different, working for different people. You know, you got to find out what works best for you. And then once it does, it, it makes a huge difference in my opinion. Totally. Looking ahead a little bit, what, what are some goals that you have for your career within the equestrian industry? Uh, goals. Um, I boss, you know, I love the WCHR program. I always have, I'd love to be a part of that someday or part of some of the USHA committees. I also used to be a very avid photographer 
So I always said that if oh, I needed cool. to take a break from the grooming side, that I could always, you know, do the photography route. Being a judge one day, you know, John is a judge and I, he's one of the first people I've uh, worked with that was a licensed big R judge and, you know, a riding professional. And it brings a whole new light to things for me. You know, he just can see, you know, watch other people's rounds or watch the customer's rounds. And, you know, he can just see a whole different side to it. You know, he can see and, you know, think about, okay, how did the judge see that, you know, versus how did we see that as a trainer? So, yeah, that might be something one day that I'd like to do. Very cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. And definitely, I feel like the industry doesn't, and I think maybe more and more over time, they have um, encouraged and celebrated kind of the idea of like continuing education and continuing learning. And I, I've always found that the process in becoming a judge would be so beneficial for any of us to go through just for the sheer fact of understanding you know, our industry more and what, what people are looking for. And, and I feel like also, I mean, so many times, right. It's like so easy to be like, Oh, like blame it on the judge or like the judge didn't like it or the judge doesn't like us or, you know, any of those things um, where, you know, kind of being on that side and kind of stepping into those shoes, you can have a little bit more of an understanding and judges I've had on here on the podcast before. I mean, I really think the vast majority of judges, they're, they're really hoping that the round goes well and they're right. rooting for you. Yes. So having that kind of in the back of your head, I feel like helps the overall dynamic. Right. You know, they're not wanting to see you fail. That's not, you know, that's not why they're sitting there. I don't think they would right. if they really meant that. But yeah, I think it just brings a whole different dynamic. I mean, because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're walking into a ring and asking someone to to tell us how we did, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um being on the opposite side of that, I think just really opens, you know, different doors and makes you appreciate those people for sitting there for yeah. hours on end. I mean, you think watching the same thing over and over, yeah, same yeah. thing over and over again. I mean, there was what a hundred and at one point, 130 some three, six performance yeah. centers for, Ridiculous. you know, I mean, like that's, that would be a lot to sit through. I mean, I would love to sit and watch all day. <laughs> I don't know. That part might have gotten a little bit, a uh, little too much. Right. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we be grateful for our judges. <laughs> totally. Um, what would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Um, for me, I've always been really strong on no hoof, no horse. And for me, the feet of the horse is something I really strive to make sure is very sturdy and strong and is as good as I can on the ground, uh, make it with what I do with them every day. Um, because I really think that that makes a big difference in the soundness of the horses and the way they go. Um, I really have a very strong, uh, strong place in my heart for, you know, farriers and what they mm-hmm. have to do and how that they can make a huge difference, um, good or bad, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, can make a huge difference in the way that the horses go. So for me, hoof care is something that I think, you know, everyone could learn more about, you know, from the way that the horse stands for the farrier to, you know, what you're putting on or not putting on or shouldn't put on. 
their feet every day. So yeah, the, the horse's feet to me are really important. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you find that in Florida, the horse's feet do better or worse than, you know, during the summer? You know, I think it's, it's hard down here in Florida because, you know, we're always constantly watering everything and yeah. there's always sand. And I think that, you know, water and sand to me with horses feet don't always mix, you know, a wet foot and then you take it outside and the sand rubs it all off. Right. You know, kind of thing. I think it is a little bit harder. And so I think, you know, the management of the horse's feet down here uh, is more paramount to me than, you know, on the road per se, because we usually go up north where <clears throat> the ground is a little bit uh, nicer, in my opinion, to the horse's feet. Yeah, I feel like that's it's such a important part that not necessarily gets overlooked, but I feel like, I mean, literally, if the horse's feet are not great, I mean, the chance, like the the soundness and, you know, the quality, it just, it can't withstand. It's just, Absolutely. yeah, it's such a big part. Um, do you have any in your program that are barefoot? Like, what's your thought on that? I do not have any in the barn that are barefoot. You know, I think if I had a horse that you know, had the right kind of hoof and had the right kind of soundness and the right kind of job, you know, if, if truly all the stars aligned, Mm -hmm. I would love to not have shoes on them. I really would. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, with as much of the bathing and the turnout and the sand and different types of footing and stuff like that, um, you know, it really is, in my opinion, uh, a pretty hard area on their feet. Um, So it had to be a, a pretty special one. I would love to, but, and I think in Europe, you know, they don't have this sandy soil and they're not watering their paddocks every day. So I think that they, you know, can really get away with having uh, a lot stronger hoof wall uh, than we can. So I think why the Swiss team was able to go to the Olympics (laughs) without shoes. I'm pretty sure almost all of them went without shoes, which is amazing. Amazing. Um, What's your idea or what's your thoughts on hoof packing? Hoof packing. We usually use the Epsom salt poultice here, and yeah. then I uh, I'll put some gauze on top, and then vet wrap on the top. I did diapers for a really long time, oh. but a lot of the horses end up just pulling the diapers off or walking out of them. And then, for instance, Mister Babylon, uh, when I used to use diapers, he would pull them off and then <laughs> just toss them around his stall. And I'm like, okay, that's not working. But I found out that if I put the gauze in there and even if the vet wrap comes off the next day, there's still plenty of hoof packing in there to where it's done its job. And I think, you know, it's not really, it's not as sticky and I can clean their feet out a lot easier than some of the other things. And, you know, like I've said, I'm not a, probably the very few people that don't like hoof oil, but oily things on the horse's feet. Um, I just think that they need to be hard in order to endure all the things that we ask of them and all the weather changes and environments and stuff. Um, so that's a little bit, another reason why I like the Epsom salt poultice. Um, yeah. Hard. Right. Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me and giving us some tips. And um, it's so fun to watch you and your horses. And there's so many talented horses and riders in your program. So it's so fun to watch. And um, I wish you all the best.
All right, great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.